0: The Blacks and Whites Network proudly presents Katherine Raker of Let's Just Talk.
1: Hi, this is Katherine Raker of Let's Just Talk. You know, do you trust your gut breaking through the stigma around intestinal, gastrointestinal issues? A recent study by the American Gastroenterological Association finds one in three Americans would only discuss their GI issues with their doctor if they brought it up first. And today we have a wonderful doctor who's in the limelight with this, and that's Dr. Rajiv Jain. And he's going to identify symptoms impacting your bowel health and how to start the conversation with your doctor. I want to welcome you to my program, Doctor. I've had these problems for years so it's very interesting to me this subject um why is it that and welcome to our show what is trust your gut mean?
2: okay Catherine, thank you for having me uh and you and, and so many americans suffer from digestive problems and that's what led the american gastrological association to create this trust your gut which is a patient awareness campaign aimed at shortening the time from onset of bowel symptoms. discussions with a healthcare provider so what we're trying to do is as you mentioned take these conversations that are stigmatized but now make them normalized so that patients are comfortable talking about digestive issues rather than being that one out of three that has to get it pulled out by the doctor or provider you you should feel comfortable bringing it up with your healthcare provider
1: well you know what's really funny is i lost my gallbladder when i was 24. I'm a lot older than that now. So I can't digest, I haven't been able to digest a lot of the things that I used to have, and I can't digest garlic. It tears me apart. Can you tell me why there are certain things that really bother you as you grow older with your with your intestinal situation?
2: Well, as one ages, there is potential changes in in many uh, facets of the digestive system. One, I think, the biggest thing that we've learned about a lot in the last decade is the gut microbiome. Your colon has over a trillion bacteria, viruses, and other fungi and things in there. And if one takes antibiotics, or you know, gets a GI illness, or changes what you eat—highly processed foods and things like that—that that milieu can get uh, out of kilter, so to speak. And when that happens, you can have a transient problem or you can be left with a more persistent digestive issue and for example in your case when you mentioned getting your gallbladder removed the gallbladder is a reservoir for holding bile that the liver makes and then that bile helps one absorb fats and so if that circulation in the GI tract is altered in some patients it can alter absorption it can cause diarrhea it can cause a slew of of different things so uh, any change that happens in the gut can be felt in the gut, and actually in the whole body.
1: Can you talk more about the Trust Your Gut Index and what current trends you are seeing? And that's what I meant by that.
2: Absolutely. The uh, Trust Your Gut Index is an ongoing survey series conducted by the AGA to really gain insights from patients like yourself and others about what they're feeling, misconceptions, what their beliefs about GI diseases, conditions, and symptoms. And so I think the key trends we're seeing is that You know, patients are having uncomfortable bowel symptoms and, like yourself, are maybe avoiding what they do, restricting what they eat, and that's affecting their everyday activities, and they're essentially suffering in silence. And so what we want to do is give patients resources that they can feel comfortable uh, asking their questions to their providers, having that dialogue, and just so that they don't need to suffer in silence.
1: So why is the AGA, trust your gut, important right now to all of us?
2: Well, I think it's so important, Catherine, because two out of five Americans, as we've mentioned before, have stopped routine activities due to uncomfortable bowel symptoms, or as you just described, you've adjusted your lifestyle substantially. And so what we're trying to do, again, is make patients feel empowered, give them the tools so they they can avoid negative outcomes because they're often delaying care. And so many of our digestive health problems, uh, uh, you know, we just learned to, quote, live with them. But if they're left untreated, they can become, you know, a situation where we can't fix them or resolve them. So that's why it's so important that we need to destigmatize bowel uh, symptoms and make it normalized so that patients are comfortable talking about it so they can take care of, of themselves and get better.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I do, and I'm not trying to promote my program or anything, I say when I'm doing the recipe or whatever, I'm not using garlic because you all know that I'm allergic to it. I can't eat it. So try something different. And I think, you know, I think your body knows, and we've just been talking about what really upsets your stomach or your gut when you're, you know, processing it. And one of the things that I've found is, you never know when you go to a restaurant, say, for instance, what they're putting into it. And so now I ask every time I go out to a restaurant, can I ask you what, is there any garlic or is there any of this or whatever in there? And I don't feel guilty about it. I feel good about it. Is that something that people should do or not or not be ashamed of it, be aware of it?
2: Uh, Catherine, I agree with you 100%. You if you find that something bothers you, it, it's it's your right and, and for your wellness to question what inputs might be coming into your digestive system. So for sure, everybody should feel comfortable about asking questions about what they're eating because that's one of the most important things for a healthy gut and a healthy overall body is eating healthy. I think what you also bring up is by knowing what bothers you, that means you know what's normal and you know what's abnormal. And so if something changes your, your bowel habits or your digestive symptoms, it's important that you identify it, and then you're able to then bring it up to your provider. Because, again, if you don't acknowledge it or identify it, it's difficult sometimes for the medical provider to, to realize that that's a problem. And then, you know, don't wait. Go out there and, and talk to your provider so that you're not postponing. If there was some treatment out there or some dietary modification or medication or lifestyle behavior that could make your life so much better, gosh, we want you to have that sooner than later.
1: What do you think about having yogurt to help your gut?
2: I think uh, what you bring up is both probiotics and prebiotics, and those are, as we're learning over the last decade or so, they help the gut microbiome be healthy. Now, what has to be clear is, Yogurt, uh, some yogurt, commercial yogurt has dairy added back to it. And Uh if for patients that are lactose intolerant, they may have digestive issues. Otherwise, yogurt that's made the old fashioned way. The uh, the 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 enzymes in the yogurt will break down milk sugar. The ones that have added uh, prebiotics and probiotics to it. I think they're wonderful. I think if you look almost every culture has some kind of fermented food in it. And it's that wow. fermented food that leads to a healthy gut microbiome.
1: And how can Americans take action to trust their gut and find more information? And where should they go to get all this information that we talked about today?
2: Catherine, they should go to the American Gastrological Association's website for you know, uh, credible uh, resources. And the website is patient.gastro.org slash trustyourgut. Patient. <laughs>
1: trust your
2: gut. Trust your gut.
1: I can't thank you enough for this wonderful conversation and radio show today. Thank you so much for joining me and continue on your mission. We need you.
2: Catherine, thank you so much. It was my pleasure.
0: We'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Just Talk with Catherine Riker. Did you know that memory loss now affects almost 7 million people in America? And the Alzheimer's Research Foundation estimates that by the year 2050, there will be 50 million people with dementia in America. Are you preparing your family, especially your grandchildren, for this issue? This is Dan Perkins, and I'm the author of a new book for children ages 9 to 12 and their families to help them understand that it's not their fault when Grammy can't remember them. Why Can't Grammy Remember Me is available at Amazon or through your local bookseller. Don't make your grandchildren part of the lost generation.
3: Every now and again we get a great book to read but how about having three great books at the same time by the same author? This is what we have in the Master Storytellers Bundle with Sad Eyes which is a story of an unlikely hero, a woman who rose to the occasion during World War II and finding the love of her life. Also, the bundle has two historical volumes of Abraham Lincoln. The second assassin just when you thought you heard everything read everything knew everything you have no idea how this one is going to end now available at hollismedia.net for your convenience buy now pay later use the afterpay system that's at hollismedia.net that's hollismedia.net this is a great gift For reading enthusiasts, check it out at HollisMedia.net and click on the bundle. We're back. You're listening
0: to Let's Just Talk with Katherine Riker.
1: Hi, this is Katherine Riker of Let's Just Talk. Today, we are talking about the largest global study that reveals high consumer demand for more news on religion and faith along with roadblocks among journalists and editors. Our guest today is Aaron Turanini, Senior Vice President of Global Research for Desert Management Corporation, or DMC. And today we want to welcome you. Aaron, you don't mind if I call you Aaron? Do you?
4: Please do. Glad to be here with you, Catherine.
1: Thank you very, very much. Why, can you tell me, why did you, FMAI, commission the research?
4: The, the Faith and in Media initiative is a group of people that have come together that recognize that in our society, you know, 82% of people identify in some way globally as religious or spiritual or a person of faith. And people show up in faith in their lives and people show up in faith in their communities, whether that means in their pews or in their synagogues or in their places of worship or whatever it would be. And faith isn't really showing up in our newsfeeds. So FAMI, the Faith and Media Initiative, said, let's get some data. Let's find out what's really happening and how much of it is in the news and what people think about it.
1: And what does the study tell us about how people feel about coverage of religion and faith in the media? And that's so important, I
4: think. You know, you're going to find some things in the study that are going to surprise you. First and foremost, the, the assumption that people don't want religion or discussion of religion and faith in their news feeds is absolutely not the case. In fact, people perceive, 53% of people think that it's being ignored. And 59% of people globally said that they want more nuanced coverage or a diverse set of faith issues and perspectives covered in their news content. That's really interesting because that 59% says to me, Uh, And it it goes in various uh, various parts of the study as high as 63% saying they want things to be high-quality content. So don't just paint religion with with a, a broad stroke or don't dumb it down for me. It's nuanced. It's complicated. It's complex. It's beautiful. Let's talk about it. And that's an interesting takeaway for me.
1: Extremely interesting for me because I'm on a lot of religious stations and cover a lot of it, and I'm finding that people are getting closer together, going to church more than I've ever seen them do that.
4: Why do people? You know, want I, I, to- I, I I agree. I agree, Catherine. Sorry, I, I think that people are we gather in very different ways in society, and the study proves that even though you might not gather with same the with certain people in the same way in faith, we're still interested in how other people do that. And the idea that instead of perpetuating stereotypes, we want to actually learn about how people gather. And that includes as they gather in faith. And I think that's a really interesting point you bring up is that people are craving not only to see themselves as they show up in faith, but also that we're interested in how other people do it. It's fascinating.
1: What do people want to see from media moving forward
4: Moving forward, people are, are saying a couple of things. Now, one of the takeaways that the the, the researchers who did the study from Harris Act said that was one of the, the most remarkable findings is that 84% of people said that faith and religious groups want to, uh, they, that they want them to provide diverse spokespeople. So the institution's voice is important, but that they want to hear from people within those faith communities. I thought that was really interesting. And then, you know, we talked with, or the the researchers talked with, with newsrooms, they talked with journalists, so that this isn't just about talking about a sector, it was actually talking with a sector. And one of the things that the journalists said is that it's really important that they talk about diversity inside of their newsrooms, so that reporters, journalists, content creators, the, the, the storytellers of our time, so that they're aware of the different faith traditions or beliefs or or religions that are within their own newsroom so they can call on colleagues, get the facts right, understand the nuances. I thought that was a really interesting takeaway, the idea that even though a newsroom has to be objective and tell the story, that there should be resources that they can turn to, including the people they work with.
1: Can you tell me, what can the media do to address stereotyping and encourage better quality religious coverage?
4: I think you absolutely key a, 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 the, on the big question, Catherine, and, and that is one of the things that journalists said they want to do is they want to seek out training opportunities. Great organizations doing really important work on this throughout the world. Uh, trainings taking place today, as you and I talk in London, things that are, are taking place in in the U.S. and Africa and Asia, all over the world. There's there's a real hunger for for training. Not that people need to be experts in all religions, but faith fluent, fluent in what it means to, to, to understand and talk about faith around the world today. The second thing that I think is really interesting is that instead of just doing stories that are about clicks for controversy, seeing religion and faith in all of its aspects, how it shows up locally and hyperlocal stories, how it shows up globally, but not just covering when there's controversy. Of course, that's part of the news business. We get that but it can't be the only part of a story of something as as far-reaching as faith as it shows up in our society today.
1: Right, and it's, it's funny when like tragedies happen like hurricanes or whatever, people get together and really – and I think that sometimes we need to concentrate with the media in those type of stories because really that shows that they really care that, that God is guiding them Um, the research showed one-third Americans feel they must hide their personal religion and faith in the workplace. What factors are leading to it? Is the just media coverage driving this? I've never believed in that. So I've been in newspapers and everything, and maybe it's because of my faith and learning about new and other faiths. So tell me that.
4: I think this was an interesting part of the study, and I think that Again, it, it supports the work of some organizations that are working on this uh, right now with with organizations large and small, with corporations uh, in in the U.S. and around the world, about how it's important that we, if we say we want people to show up as their whole self at work, what that means. And that shouldn't mean something as important to you as faith. I mean, of course, there's, there's ways that it's appropriate and there's a way that it's that it's you know definitely uh, you know legal and definitely ways that are that are appropriate for an effective and inclusive and a welcoming workplace. But if there's ever a moment where you feel like you can't bring something as important as your faith into a place where we spend so much time, we need to figure out a better way to talk about it. So I think that's you know, I'm not an expert on that field, but I think that takeaway is something that can't be ignored. Um, it now is it attributable to the media? You ask a key question. Maybe that's a part of it. But when we know that something that matters to us, it's hard to talk about it if we can't see it in the news and media that we consume. So let's find out different ways to talk about it. And sometimes that's from an article we see or from an interview we hear.
1: And what's next? And how can religious communities work with the media to encourage better reporting? And where can we get information on the study, Erin?
4: Well, I think that you you laid out the question that's the key question, which is, you know what can every, what can both sectors do? What can all of us? What can I do as someone who listens to your show or someone who is a, a consumer of media who, who who loves I love my news right? Um, I can do something as well. And and on faithinmedia.com the 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 website the Harris X uh, research is available for people. And I think it begs the question, whether you are a reporter whether you're a content creator, whether you're uh, you know, maybe a, self, a self-identified news junkie or just someone who casually thinks about these things, or maybe you're a faith communicator, maybe you locally communicate from your local parish or, 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 or mosque or community, or maybe you work with an institution, a large uh, religious organization. There's something that can be done. And it probably starts with, uh, with acknowledging, uh, with learning about who's around you, and being super aware of the content that you're creating or consuming. So the awareness is, I think, the first step. And this data hopefully gives us that, that spark to say, what is in my newsfeed? And is it reflective of what's in my life? And if not, what can I do to either call for more of it or create more and better of it?
1: Well, I think this study is so important. I mean, extremely important. And don't And I'm not afraid say my feelings, but I say it in a way that it doesn't offend people, but it shows that I really care and people should care about, you know, their faith and what God has done for us. And that's just my thought on it. And I want to thank you for doing the study and the mission that they've done. This is so important. I'm going to get this out to all of my stations, definitely. And I can't thank you enough for joining me today.
4: Thanks, Catherine. Great to be with you.
1: Thank you so much. And we'll be right back after these important messages on Catherine Breaker's Let's Just Talk.
0: We'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Just Talk with Catherine Riker.
5: Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from Mars ends with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers was created to serve veterans who deal with the lack of sleep due to their injuries. SongsandStoriesForSoldiers.us provides a free MP3 player for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. To learn how you can help, go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us to help a veteran make it through the night. We're back. You're listening to Let's Just Talk with Katherine Riker.
1: Hi, this is Katherine Raker of Let's Just Talk. You know, now that the seasons are changing, It's perfect time to get ready for cooler weather, which actually has started here in the Midwest. And we have with us today the HTTV star Matt Blanchard, um, and is teaming up with the energy for everyone to give us tips to get ready for our families for the winter. Blanchard is a contractor, realtor, and co-host of HTV's show called Build It Forward. Welcome to our show. It's always a pleasure having you on.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And you know what? My heating people already contacted me. They said, you need to start doing this. We're in fall, right? Yeah. So why is, yeah, you should have this all the time. I I have it twice or three times a year, um, you know, for maintenance, right? Why is fall a good time to get a heating system checked?
0: Oh, why? Where are you at in the Midwest?
1: I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio.
0: Cincinnati. Okay, yeah, I'm in Kansas City. So, yeah, it's, it's nice and crisp here this morning. And it's like the first time fall is setting in and you're like, oh, this is great. Um, And this is the nice part, right? You get the two months where it's like, oh, this is, can't wait for winter, but then you get into winter and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is just, I can't wait for summer. So uh, I hate to say it, but weather experts, uh, farmers Almanac, uh, they're saying to brace for a colder, wetter winter, uh, winter time. So so from heating your homes uh, with high performance furnaces, a fireplace to keep your children warm, uh, you know, f- uh, or to keeping your ch- your children warm on a school bus. Propane is an energy for everyone, which we're celebrating um, all things to come with uh, keeping families cozy across uh, America.
1: Well, you know, and I saw a whole bunch of new buses that are propane buses here, which was very different. I hadn't seen them. And I, yesterday, they were all over the place. So it's everywhere with propane, which is a great, great wonderful heating, you know, and fuel for people. So what are a few heating maintenance tips that we should do right now, Matt?
0: I like that you said you do it twice a year. You have maintenance twice a year. That makes my heart happy because a lot of people, they don't do it. Uh, They they don't think about their heating uh, until it's too late, right? So now that we're getting that crisp air, it's time to turn it on because you'll know you have a dirty system when you turn it on and it smells like your house is like you burnt some toast in the house when you that that's when you know you got to get a vacuum in there get a trained professional technician to go in there get it nice and clean and you want to make sure that there's no blocked airflow um, and that's why sometimes we shut down our registers we shut down our vents during the uh, summer, just because we want to cool a house, uh, you know, one room more than another, make sure that they're all open and make sure that your air filter is nice and clean. And in fact, go get a three month supply or, you know, maybe three or four of these filters so that you have them in the house. Changing that out on a regular basis is going to keep your furnace running very efficiently. And compared to, to a heat source, heat pumps, uh, which supply temperatures you know, lower than 100 degrees, uh, it, it's impacted by outside temperatures. Propane-powered four-star uh, uh, four units, they heat air to 115 to 120 Fahrenheit. So it makes the indoor air feel consistently warmer. So it's not just for a school bus. It's not just for a barbecue. Uh, propane really makes a great impact on your home uh, efficiently, uh, keeps it nice and warm during the wintertime.
1: And, you know, it's so important. I change my filters every month. And I went down there last night to look, and I need to change it. It just lets me know. And you get a lot of, um, because of we had a lot of really wild heat this summer and a lot of dust, and then all of a sudden it just went down to 48 last night. It was like, oh, my gosh. It was freezing, and so you know you need to do this. So do you have any tips for saving on heating costs, and how do we do that?
0: Yeah, what I love, uh, one of my favorite things, is going to be a program, programmable thermostat. You can set it to 65 degrees Fahrenheit um, You know, during the day. Uh, you say so you want to go to 55, 60 at, at, at night. Um, and what I love about that is that, when it's heating your house, only when you're using it. So if you have, you guys have a regular schedule, if you go to work, if you go to school, it can can know when to heat the house before, maybe an hour before you come home, that's gonna save a lot of money. And because propane furnaces, they warm more efficiently, home heating bills are frequently lower than than other energy sources. Um, and if you get an energy star qualified propane furnace, it can save you up to $75 in energy costs each year and, and are 15% more efficient than standard propane models. And, and, and one more thing for the water heating, we think about heating our home, but we don't think about the, the water that we heat as well. So, Water heating can make up a large portion of your utility bill, bill. so reduce your temperature on your water heater no more than 120 degrees. We don't need anything hotter than that. And if you get a high-performance tankless water heater, uh, uh, a propane tankless water heater, it can reduce a home's energy consumption because it it heats the water when, when you need it. So when you're gone on vacation It's not heating the water constantly and wasting energy and wasting your hard-earned money. Um, A propane tankless water heater is going to heat efficiently right there and give you hot water when you need it.
1: So what are some of the other considerations if someone is thinking about upgrading their home heating system? And any additional winter preparedness tips for us?
0: Yes. So this is whether you're on propane or natural gas, um, the International Association of Fire Chiefs and me, I recommend a, a, a carbon monoxide detector. Um, that's in every level of your home. If you have carbon monoxide detectors, it's it's just like cleaning the air filter on your HVAC. Make sure that those batteries are checked, make sure it's in great working order, and also create a, an emergency plan for if your power does go out. Um, make sure you have enough water, make, make sure you have enough food um, you know, that that's going to keep your your family safe this winter, um, and, and, and it's going to reduce the chance of running empty on times of heavy snowfall uh, when the roads may be just too treacherous for any kind of delivery.
1: Where, Matt, can we go for more information from today's show?
0: Absolutely. Just visit propane.com. Learn all about uh, propane and how it could keep your home and your family nice and cozy this winter time.
1: Thank you so much, and we love watching you on the DIY show. Believe Thanks. me, build it forward. Thanks so much for joining us today and giving these wonderful tips on how to make your home and your life more efficient. Thank you so much, <laughs> and don't forget to go to our website, at Let'sJustTalk.com. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us on Katherine Ricker's Let's Just Talk on the Blacks and Whites Network.